All right, so thank you for listening. You're listening to the Anthro Alert podcast, where we take our live show from USF Bulls Radio, and we publish it here for you to listen at your enjoyment. Um, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. Good afternoon, Bulls. You're listening to Bulls Radio, WUSF, 89.7 HD Free Tampa, 1620 AM on campus, and streaming worldwide at bullsradio.org. It's uh, 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon, so you know what that means. You're listening to Anthro Alert. Um, after a long, long uh, hiatus, uh, Renee and I are both here to talk with you guys this afternoon. How are you doing, Renee? Hey, hey. It's a beautiful day in Tampa. It is. And um, if listeners might remember, uh, our last week was a little bit of anthropology through jazz. It was just me and Renee was enjoying some rest and relaxation. How was that? It was quite restful. I feel relaxed. I am ready to talk about anthropology. Awesome. So let's uh, remind our listeners a little bit about what Anthro Alert is, um, is all about. So in case you guys don't remember, I'll give you a little refresher. So this show, we like to talk about why anthropology matters and, and what it is and how we use it in our day-to-day lives and how it's relevant to the world and the things that happen around us. So for the next 45 to 50 minutes, we'll be discussing how anthropology is relevant, and we uh, frequently have guests on the show and talk about their research and how they use it in their academic and professional lives. Um, We believe that this is a good opportunity for us as anthropologists to better connect with the USF community and raise awareness of the value of an anthropological perspective. Uh, Just like all of our other shows, we'd like to preface this show uh, with the disclaimer that the statements we make or the discussions we have, the opinions that we state um, are ours um, on Anthro Alert. Um, they're our personal opinions and may not necessarily represent uh, the anthropology department at USF, uh, USF as an institution, uh, student government, or anthropology as a discipline. So with all that out of the way, I think we have a real interesting show for you today. Renee, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about some exercise and physical activity. Awesome. So exercise and physical activity in what sense? Well, if, if our listeners remember from our, one of our previous shows, we discussed anthropological perspectives on work in the United States and working also, work as an anthropologist. Hmm. So we're going to apply that today to just give you one or so examples of how an anthropologist of what an anthropological perspective on fitness in America, physical activity and exercise, and what that looks like at an at, at that level. That sounds awesome. So specifically, we have two um, we have two research articles from an anthropologist, Katie Hedjik, Hedjmanek. I probably should have learned how to pronounce her name before the show. Um, But she is a researcher um, at Brooklyn College, I believe, and she does research in anthropology and um, physical exercise, specifically strength sports, so powerlifting, CrossFit, things like that. And so we're going to discuss some really interesting uh, research that she has done previously. But before we do that, we're going to start off the show with some music and first a um, little message from the sponsors that we have on campus. Welcome back. You're listening to Anthro Alert on USF Bulls Radio, WUSF 89.7. Let me- 
16.3 Tampa, 16.20 a.m. on campus and streaming worldwide at bullsradio.org. All right. So now we, we just brought you into the show. We're talking about anthropology today. We talk about anthropology every show. Today we're talking about anthropological perspectives on on uh, exercise and fitness and culture and community, physical activity. It's going to be a great show. Like Spencer said, we have two articles that we're going to be talking or, or be using to to start our conversation today. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. So now this 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 doctor looks at the culture of strength sports in the U.S. Doing her research in a CrossFit gym mm-hmm. or a CrossFit box in in New York, Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. Now. Our legal team here at USF Bulls Radio has asked me to say that I am I am slightly biased on this on this topic. Uh, I have a I have opinions uh, about CrossFit and uh, and such, and so I'm going to do my best to be objective and without bias because that's what's fair. And that's what we try to do as anthropologists. More importantly, is we try to be an objective observer of what's going on and filter it through our anthropological minds and perspective and then outcomes hopefully some some useful research and, and some interesting research so in her first article uh, it's called anthropology 101 a cultural anthropologist steps into a gym and I really I really like this article one because I think her her research is really interesting but two because I think she does a really good job of explaining, what an anthropologist sort of seeks to do when they're going into a research project. So what kind of questions they typically ask, what they're looking for, and what sort of the research design project or, like, research design uh, looks like. And so in her discussion of her work uh, studying these sports, she, uh, she does a really excellent job in sort of describing what she was looking at initially when she walked into um, – these CrossFit boxes, and and she uses this really popular, or I guess um, it's a it's a real axiom, I guess, in anthropology of you know we try to make the the strange familiar and the familiar strange by trying to find meaning in the mundane and and asking questions about everyday life. So, as anthropology students, we you know we've all heard this saying at least once. You know, we try to make the strange familiar and the and the familiar strange. So. I've heard that twice today. Yeah. Um, so what did what did you think about um, her her research or specifically this article right now? Well, the things that she was looking to find out about so the que- some of the questions that she was asking was looking at what what is the meaning of shared community in fitness? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the morality of fitness and and what constitutes a sport? Like how do you define a sport? Yeah, that article is also really interesting. Now. Uh, just to clarify for some of our non-CrossFit enthusiasts, mm-hmm. is the term box. Mm. So in CrossFit lingo, a, a box is the, the gym. It's just another term to describe the gym. Mm. I think that's uh, – we should clarify that. Yeah, I was unclear about that when I first started reading this as well. Um, since I have no no experience in actually being in a CrossFit box um, or really – until reading this article, I, I didn't know much about CrossFit in, in general. Now, Spencer, let me ask you a question. Okay. Uh, now, you're a reasonably 
active person. Yeah, I would like to think so. And you li- you like to run. Mm-hmm. You like to go to the gym. Yep. Now, how would you describe yourself as like a fitness person? Would you say, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm an exerciser, or like, like what what sorts of words would you use to describe yourself? Um, well, I guess I've done a. M- various sports over the years um typically like contact sports so like wrestling or you know like boxing and things like that but as far as activities i um i guess i'm an exerciser yeah so most of the time now i just i either lift or um run okay so so would you use the term athlete to describe yourself i think yeah i think athlete would be a better a better term because i kind of like to branch into or try, you know, all kinds of all kinds of different sports or kind of push my body in, in different ways, uh, in various ways, you know, kind of see what I'm capable of. Okay, so, oh, cool. Now, now I ask you, like, what do you consider yourself an athlete? Mm-hmm. And I ask that because, again, looking at like CrossFit terminology, right? The the members of these CrossFit gyms are they're called athletes. Okay. And their their athletes compete like each each session is basically like a little mini competition you know competition against the clock a competition against like your your last workout mm-hmm. uh, maybe even you know for the extra competitive a competition with the people around them right yeah and so the, the using the term athlete I think is something that helps CrossFit differentiate itself mm-hmm. as a sport. Rather than just a form of exercise, right? I didn't really, I didn't realize this before reading about you know anthropology and exercise and reading these articles. But in her article that talks about what is a sport, you know, she goes into. I guess that's a really contested question among CrossFitters or people interested in you know like what is a sport. I guess even within CrossFit, that's kind of like. You know, whether CrossFit is just a form of, like, exercise, of, like a community in itself, like a, you know, a group of like-minded individuals getting fit, or if it is constituted as a sport. And I guess basically her conclusion was that there's a lot of different things that constitute what a sport is. And one of those is, like, who has the power to declare what a sport is. And, you know, all these international sports organizations, like um, the Olympic Committee that, one year decides that this is a sport and they're going to hold it in the committee and or you know during the olympics and the next year maybe they take it out so yeah i don't would you consider crossfit a, a sport well they're okay <laughs> so from an unbiased perspective i got to say that they have they have they train for events and these events would they they require athletic prowess, mm-hmm. so yeah, I would say that um, the CrossFit competitions themselves are a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, would I say that every single like like an athlete, like who gets to say who is an athlete, right? Right. Um, now going back to the to dis- to defining what a sport is. Now, um, when I was a kid, growing up as a child, <laughs> my favorite joke. When I when I was a, when I was growing up as a child, um, you know, we used to play like a lot of games and sports, and we would talk about sports all the time. Typically, you know, w- after like you know the Monday after a big football weekend, 
if we talk about you know the Cowboys or 49ers right and that those were like the two big teams at the time mm-hmm. but we would not talk about oh did you see how this golfer did that's okay. true yeah so in our little child minds we had very clear definitions of what constituted a sport mm-hmm. so just because it's on TV doesn't necessarily mean it's a sport that's true I'm going to refer back to one of her articles and the when she was talking about what is a sport she was talking about some of the top ranked sports in the world whereas like American football is the top ranked sport in the US but it's you know like not even in the top I think it was in not even in the top five but it was in the top ten in the world whereas like cricket and like uh, soccer and stuff was or in the case of um, unlike the Eastern Hemisphere and like China and stuff where uh, table tennis is you know one of the top ranked sports but in the US that's you know, you wouldn't think of table tennis as a top-ranked sport here that people um, look at. So what she was pointing to is that, you know, what constitutes a sport is really – it's really variable in kind of just the eye of, you know, the population or, you know, who has the power to determine what that may be. So very, very relative, very culture-specific. Yeah, definitely culture-specific. And, you know, she really points to culture has a lot to do with um, – the CrossFit box that she was in, you know, she treats her study of strength sports just as an anthropologist, you know, studying a community abroad would where she says, you know, they, they're their own community and they have, you know, she talks about their own sort of culture and, um, you know, they have their own shared beliefs and their culture, which is, you know, shared beliefs and values is something that we use in the definition of culture as, as anthropologists. And it was really interesting how she kind of, tailors what she's doing to an anthropologist that may be somewhere abroad studying you know studying a community right and, th- and there are so many different aspects to this um to this uh notion of fitness community and fitness culture mm-hmm. especially as it's has changed over time if you look at i mean just look at all you go on social media um just pick one you know twitter instagram mm-hmm. you know, whatever you're going to see you're going to run across somebody taking a selfie of himself at a gym and it's going to be you know I, th- I think I think there's a term called fitspo you know fit fitness inspiration uh, which is like a whole other topic but <laughs> right yeah but but just you know sharing these individual successes with the greater internet uh, fitness culture mm-hmm. as a way to I mean celebrate you know everybody's success. Yeah, definitely. That kind of goes into, you know, another thing that she was talking about in this article of, um, you know, she's looking at questions of, like, why people join CrossFit or in the first place or, you know, just power uh, or strength sports in general. So, like, powerlifting or, you know, weightlifting in general, but uh, specifically CrossFit. So, like, why people join, what motivates them to, like, continue, you know, how they're talking about their sport and, and their bodies and how they interact with people in the gym, you know, uh, whether it's their trainers, their coaches, or just other uh, other CrossFitters. So, you know, what what do you think about like what what do you think motivates people into into these strength sports like CrossFit or maybe powerlifting? And you know, what what kind of motivations do you think there are for you know people to continue sports like this? Okay, that's a fascinating question. Now, now I haven't necessarily done the research to give you an informed answer. I can just tell you what right. w- what I think. Right. And that's basically that, you know, w- with social media, p- 
people started to see more, to see this type of exercise more and more. Um, and it, and it, people were like, oh, you know, I want to try it. You know, it looks, that looks cool. You know, I want to, I want to do a barbell lift. Hmm. I want to, you know, do a power clean and, and a squat. And, and so it, it became appealing and people just wanted to try it. And, and that helped businesses or business models like CrossFit really position themselves as something for like the everyday athlete. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't need to be training for a marathon. You don't you don't necessarily need to be training for a speci- like a basketball game or a specific sport. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of one aspect of their history or their allure is that they're they're tried to develop or or they claim to develop all around athleticism. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that's very appealing, and especially if you tie that into the, uh, some of the um, some of the images that you see on social media. Mm-hmm. That I mean, some people are just very drawn to that, and yeah. I, I've had conversations with many people who they themselves might not ha- might not not have been an exerciser, but you know they get into that CrossFit environment, and they their that sense of community was very appealing to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they liked working out. They liked the workout. They liked the people that they were with, and for the time that they went, they really enjoyed it. Um, I I have like two uh, friends that I can think of that, you know, one told me that you know I just got into this CrossFit gym and and he absolutely loved it. He said, yeah, you know, and and uh, it for him it translated into being a better runner, which which I think he was into at the time. I don't know if he. Well, I don't think he does either CrossFit or running anymore. <laughs> I mean, I really don't know. Uh, and then other people was just a group of friends that got together and they kind right. of like did their own CrossFit inspired workout mm-hmm. at, at one of their in, in one of their garages. Hmm. Yeah, well, a, par- a big, a l- very significant part of what uh, this anthropologist is looking at is um, this sense of community, and we'll we'll talk about that later in the show. But one of the dichotomies she's talking about is. CrossFit's sort of um, its appeal in pulling people away from what she was referring to as like the Globo Gym where, you know, you walk in, you pop your headphones in, and then you work out. And it's kind of everybody's like that, and it's a really isolated kind of solo experience. You get your lift in and and you leave. Whereas CrossFit was sort of drawing people in with this sense of if you come here, you know, you get that same benefit you know that sort of endorphin rush you know that exercise um except you're doing it with like-minded individuals and you know here we might have friendly competition and you know you're competing against yourself and others but you know we're doing it together and ultimately we're like you know we have that family unit and um you know so she was really talking about this this dichotomy and that was sort of this big allure of crossfit and so we're gonna take one more music break or not one more we'll take two more but we'll take a music break now and then when we come back we'll talk more about the shared meaning of community fitness but first a message from our uh, sponsors all right we're back on anthro alert you're listening to bulls radio wsf 89.7 hd3 tampa or 1620 a.m on campus and streaming worldwide at bullsradio.org we're going to jump right back into our conversation on physical activity and uh anthropology renee yeah so we we talked a little bit about 
community of fitness and fitness community mm. and you know community is a big anthropological thing yeah it's a loaded term in some sense right um and and so one of the other articles that uh doctor that this doctor looks at mm. is um looking at the distinct community of crossfit that she says has contributed to its growth mm-hmm. and th- to me that looks like almost you know for now you played uh you played sports you, you mentioned playing sports before right yeah mm-hmm. uh any team sports ever uh yeah i i played team sports and then kind of transitioned to individual type activities but yeah i played team sports okay and in general you, you would say that maybe your experience with team sports you you felt like a sense of community and and shared experiences and i've like definitely that. been on teams where that shared experience was yeah was um a real part or motivation of me continuing there but i've also had the reverse okay so and i think that that's one of the appeals mm-hmm. of crossfit or 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 business fitness business models that are similar to crossfit mm-hmm. i think that's w- one of the things that brings people in and especially keeps them especially if it's like a good environment right where it's like a team atmosphere mm-hmm. you know like I, we mentioned the term athlete before right you know if if you'd been called an athlete or if you had considered yourself an athlete as as a kid or previously in in team sports that you had played and you know, and being called an athlete again mm-hmm. and then being part of a team of people a team of other athletes it it probably really helped to ingrain that sense of community yeah and then looking at maybe similar things like there's a chain of gyms that kind of follows a similar group exercise dynamic of um, it's called orange theory fitness okay so yeah i guess i guess uh inadvertent shout out to them mm-hmm. not, i mean not really i don't condone them <laughs> i'm sure they're fine whatever do what you want to do I, i'm not <laughs> saying to do anything what, anyway okay. or, so so it's like a a team mentality and the 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 cool thing though is like they the what what they do with their how they m- use individual motivation and competition because okay. they put your vitals up on a big screen so you can see if your oh, heart rate's in the zone and that's you know there's no line there's no line to the technology right yeah it's, it's up there wow and and some people okay. really like that and they like that type of you know group individual competitive shared dynamic right yeah i imagine that's a real like adrenaline rush too if you're you're seeing all your vitals on a screen as you're executing these exercises or tasks or whatever you know whatever it may be and especially looking at the world like the data-driven world that, that we live in you oh, know? absolutely like, yeah like um i don't know do you have a you have an, some sort of physical activity tracker on you yeah i do Oh, you really do? Well, no, 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 not on me. I I have an app on on my phone. Okay, but yeah. But my mom has one of those uh, activity tracker watches. Yeah, like a like a like a Itbit or something, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, you know, whatever you want to buy, if you want, if you want to buy those, whatever. I, right. I'm not condoning or supporting anything. Any any brands in particular? Yeah. But there are a bunch of those on the market. I mean, different stores oh, sell their own. Oh, there's tons of them. Yeah. Like you go to like. Uh, Walgreens or CVS, like they have their own brand of activity tracker. Well, even like you know people's phones and stuff now, yeah. you know, has like heart monitors and all this other jazz. Yeah, and it's and so looking back at qu- like qu- the quantified self. Yeah. Um, 
and, and let's see if we can tr- tie this back into CrossFit. Uh, mm-hmm. And I actually don't know that much. I, I don't think I know enough to be able to, to bring it back to CrossFit. So we'll just um, kind of do a complete tangent. Sure. We'll speak generally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and looking at how some people who are who are driven to understand themselves just for the sake of gathering data, like they really enjoy tracking their activity. Like mm-hmm. they want to know, oh, I slept X amount of hours and it was this quality. Mm-hmm. Or I did this many steps, or I walked this many miles, or I I consumed or used X amount of calories, and to them that's that's very interesting, and they really really are interested by that, right? And that's what drives them uh, for their physical activity. Um, for some people, that works for a little bit of time. For some people, that works for a, a longer longer term period of time, right? Um, mo- most of the people I know that have had a Fitbit don't typically. Oh, I said it <laughs> anyway. Most of the people that have some sort of tracker like that, they yeah. it's like a temporary thing. Like they they wear it for a couple months and then, um, then they stop wearing it. It loses its luster. The esteem wears off. Yeah. Um, hmm. And so looking at like this uh, this other thing I mentioned before that Orange Theory Fitness, where everybody's heart rate and stuff is up on the big board and you can see it real time. Right. Um, I'm sure that's again that draws the people who are driven to to see like to see their quantified self mm-hmm. um and then with with crossfit i th- that probably comes into like you know personal records yeah like always trying yeah. to outdo yourself yeah always trying to improve and get better and, and uh from the team community aspect of it i'm sure that's pretty invigorating mm-hmm. let's see if we can kind of move on to something else uh pain rhythm yeah well she talks about specifically in this in this community you know the shared meanings and like the beliefs that sort of that is kind of like the glue that holds this community together and so she's talking about like the shared meanings are they're continue continuously created and modified and maintained and negotiated and all this stuff and it and it occurs through the the maintenance of the community so like you're adding members to the community and so that means like the shared meanings and beliefs and basically the function of the community before is is shifting as you add people as you as people leave to different different communities and stuff and so basically she was saying the community within itself is quite quite extensive you know extending to not just athletes but also like the roles of the trainers and and the coaches and even when they have competitions you know you have family members there you have friends there she was talking about people bringing their dogs and children and so it was like you know it turns into this like family reunion type situation you know just you know as extensive sort of society within you know our our larger you know cities and and, and towns and stuff now now to me that's very fascinating um now now you've never done cross you never like gone to a crossfit box i have never once been to a crossfit box i actually i think i have one friend that did it for for a summer but other than that i i really don't have any exposure to crossfit or you know the like the activities that they do or anything okay you ever you ever do i mean recently um any type of like like competitive running like 5k's 10k's yeah um well i did this a spartan race Oh, okay. That's, oh, that's a great example. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you just recently, I remember Yeah, that. I just recently did that. That was my 
most recent competitive race. Out in sunny Miami. Yep. Um, cool. All right, so that, I think, is, is an excellent comparison. Yeah. So looking at, like, the event of a Spartan race, mm-hmm. and compare, it, compare that to, like, an event of, like, the CrossFit yeah. ev- uh, competition. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but so, so the different obvious differences are that you train for a CrossFit competition by doing CrossFit. Right. How did you train for your for your obstacle race? Um, well, I trained distance, obviously, to be able to complete the run, um, and then I mixed it up with um, yoga and weightlifting, as well as like just um, calisthenics and and things like that, and then. Um, trying to search for what kind of obstacles they were, I tried to do similar uh, exercises that would build up the muscle, like a similar motion to what I would be doing for whatever obstacles may show up. So like climbing walls or, you know, lifting heavy boulders or, you know, monkey bars or pull-ups, you know, just basically being able to lift my body and you manipulate my body weight in, in different ways so I could complete the race. Okay. So. Yeah, so that's, I mean a very intelligent way to go about that um from like a business perspective the one-off event of the obstacle race mm-hmm. possibly misses out on like training opportunities that's true yeah um and that's just me being creative you know once a day that's my creative thought yeah because i guess one sort of difference is that you know if you're training for a crossfit more than likely you're training with all your other crossfit people whereas like you know, I did the I did the race with with friends and we ran together, but there was no organized sort of like meet up with other Spartan racers. Which I mean, maybe if you do it continuously and you have a group, maybe that actually is you know is a thing. But yeah, like you said, there's really no training opportunities. So, so I'm sure that there is some sense of community though at, at the obstacle race. Yeah, it was that was pretty evident, especially the people that do them all the time because. I this was my this is my first one, but you could tell the people that had done it multiple times and and knew other people. So there was definitely a sense of um, community, especially the people that did it like semi professionally in the heats before us. Semi professional? What do you mean? Well, there was people where I you know with Spartan Race they're actually doing it where you can actually be a professional like or semi professional Spartan racer now because they have a worlds. And so I guess when you get up to where, like, regionals or worlds, you know, you have a certain level of competition, you can do something professionally. Meaning that it, it, earn, it earns money for them? I think it earned money, but I don't think it was, like, a salary. I thought I think it is more of, like, they earn money and, like, sponsorships. Okay. So they – oh, wow. Well, that is fascinating to me. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not positive on that because I haven't done much research. But I did just hearing them announce, like um, – the the first couple of heats were for these particular runners, and then they announced the location of Worlds and, you know, all this stuff. So people that do it really seriously. So then going back to our definition of sport mm-hmm. and athlete, right. would you consider those – okay, so, so which of the spart- – <laughs> which of the obstacle racers do you consider to be athletes? Well, the guy that came in first for the men's finished – so this race in particular was just under five miles, and there was 22 obstacles. You know, these are things that are specifically designed to, like, wear you out. He did it in 25 minutes, so I would definitely consider him to be an athlete. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And and is this, is this obstacle race, do you consider that a sport? Um, 
Well, I mean, track is a sport. And so, you know, there's marathons and, and things like that in the Olympics. So, I mean, this is essentially they have Spartan races that are marathons. So essentially this is, you know, the same thing with extra obstacles added in. So I think it would be a sport. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's uh, totally uh, subjective, right? Depends on right on who you ask. Because there's kind of all this, you know, this CrossFit and sports and even the, you know, the Ninja Warrior stuff and obstacle, you know, obstacle racing has kind of grown in popularity the past couple of years. Very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really, um, yeah, I think that's that's fascinating. Um, let's see. What else does this article talk about? Oh, so it actually defines community. Mm-hmm. I will read this lengthy quote. <clears throat> uh, community is about an in-group of people who highly value the branded functional fitness activity and in opposition with an outgroup, including those who work out in other kinds of gyms. And it is the building and maintenance of social networks, mm-hmm. connections, relationships, and belonging among those who participate in fitness activities together, go to the same box, or even who know the meaning and language of this functional fitness brand more broadly. Mm-hmm. End quote. Yeah, that's a pretty extensive definition. Well, as an anthropologist who is working in that field, it had better be, right? Right. I think it's interesting that she puts in language there, too. You know, all the sort of uh, all the fitness lingo, even like box. I didn't know what that was when I first started reading the the article. And I'm, I'm not sure what other kind of CrossFit lingo there are. but Right. Um, yeah. yeah, like so, so box, mm-hmm. um, athlete. Mm. Fran, I had to look that up. I'm still not entirely clear on what that means. Mm-hmm. So if, if you want to call in and tell us, 813-974-9285, on what Fran is, um, we probably won't pick up the phone. <laughs> don't, don't bother calling today. <laughs> you can email us, visit, visit us on the website, anthroalert.com, and uh, th- I think there is something on there where you can send us a, some sort of message. You can leave us a, a comment, if so choose, about our discussions today. Right. I think it's probably time for a break, unless you have something else. Um, I think we I think we basically covered it. You know, community is is a topic we could talk about for quite some time. Especially, you know, towards the end of the article, she um, she talked about how like these fitness communities have filled in gaps and like um, absences of like other communities and social networks and things like that. But so so let me let me um, see if I can close this out for today and then uh we'll we'll have an announcement from one of our sponsors sounds good um so looking back so today we we hoped to talk about one way to apply anthropology to something that you may not necessarily think is anthropological like you know fitness but but the very idea of there being a fitness culture warrants anthropological study and this can be applied in a number of different ways from trying to develop marketing and branding to help businesses, you know, dr- recruit customers, clients, members, athletes, mm-hmm. and retention, and helping people, you know, stay in those uh, in those facilities, in those uh, places. And if you think of what companies like Spartan Race have done, mm-hmm. and what um, companies like uh, CrossFit have done, both of which are uh, I believe I believe are Reebok companies. I'm not 100. percent I know I know Spartan is Reebok. Okay. I'm not sure about CrossFit. So looking at how Reebok has been able to really 
strangle the idea of fitness culture of this like new mm-hmm. neo fitness. I don't even know how to describe it, but how how this postmodern. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm just throwing terms out. <laughs> but but how that or, or how they have been able to really capitalize on this trend when a lot of other companies maybe missed out or or didn't have that opportunity. If you mm-hmm. think we we talked about the big box gym and. And you know there there were some big names that just aren't around anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Gold's Gym is is still popular, but not like what it used to be. That's true. You know, yeah. there, there are a lot of companies that just got you know bought up. Mm-hmm. They 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 couldn't keep up with the trend. Right. And from an anthropological perspective, or applying anthropology to that, from like a social marketing perspective, you could definitely have predicted predicted some of these things possibly, or you know kept up with the trend somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally. You know, applying anthropology to public health initiatives and endeavors that work on physical activity. I think that's that's like the easiest application of anthropology there. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to try and close it up with aspects of applying anthropology to culture of fitness and community. So, um, yeah. Yeah, let's, that, was, uh, that was a good summary. Let's hear what our sponsor has to say. All right. <laughs> 